No one knows you better than your family. They're the only ones who know about those little habits. Like the way you slurp your breakfast, how long you take to get ready, are you done in there yet? And what you really sound like when you sleep. Yet sometimes we treat family worse than our enemies. You want to allow God to arise in your families, make a mark, shine in service, use wonderful words. Welcome to Anchor Points, a program produced by Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more at fredericksdachurch.org. With God, all things are possible, even getting along with family. Today, Robert Quintana continues his series, Mission Possible, and offers three guiding principles to help you allow God to arise in your family. We indeed long to have God arise in our lives and in our homes and in our communities as we learn to arise in worship to him. And as we've described worship, worship isn't just what takes place here for one hour. Worship is what takes place every day and everything we say and everything we do can be an act of worship to him but we long to have God arise in our lives, homes, and community as we arise in worship to him. And so last week, you might remember, we started this sermon series and we discussed what it means to allow God to arise in our lives. We looked at several ways where where we can allow God to arise in our lives. And so today, we're going to talk about What does it take or what can we do? What are some biblical principles that we can apply to our lives, to our families in order to allow God to arise in our homes? Now, I know that every home is different. Every home structure is different. There might be two children. There might be eight children. Uh, You might be a single parent here today. You might be young and old. Your mom and dad can be living in different homes. But the principles that we're going to share here today are principles that anyone and everyone can apply to whatever your family structure looks like. So you can be the husband, the wife, the son, the daughter, the brother, the sister, the uncle who lives in the basement, the grandparents who have moved back. You can apply these three biblical principles to whatever your scenario might look like in order to allow God to arise in your homes. And so the first one that I'd like to share with you, if you're taking notes, I want you to jot this down. Make a mark. Principle number one, make a mark. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter four. I'm reading from the New King James Version today. Joshua chapter four. Now let me just set the stage for you in case you haven't followed this story before. But here Joshua has just recently taken over the reins from Moses. He has just recently stepped into the leadership position where he will now continue to lead the people of Israel into the promised land. And he has just faced his first challenge, his first major challenge as the leader now of Israel. He's had to cross over the Jordan. And just like God came through for Moses when crossing the Red Sea, God came through for Joshua in crossing the Jordan. And so 
at the end, once they crossed over the Jordan, this is what it says in verse 20. Chapter 4, verse 20, it says this. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. That all the people of the earth may know the hand of the Lord that it is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Principle number one, make a mark. Now, what do I mean by this? When we read this story, we see that God instructs Joshua to tell the people of Israel to make a mark. Make a mark in your community. Make a mark in your family. So that 10, 20, 30 years from now, when you look back on that mark, you're able to remember the goodness of God. You're able to remember the love of God. You're able to remember that God is mighty and that will cause you to fear him, to love him in return. And so how do we in today's day and age make a mark in our family? Should we go around as he instructed the 12 men, one from each tribe to go to the middle of the Jordan and and pick a rock and and take a rock. You know, when I was young, I used to make a mark because whenever I used to go on hikes, I used to always find a rock that I could take back home. Any any little boys there understand what I'm talking about? You know, you you take something from your journey and you bring it back to the house. and, And in my room, I had a shelf full of stuff that I would just bring back. Now, you might think it was trash, but for me, I can tell you exactly where each of those stones or twigs or, or, or minerals or I could tell you everywhere that I found those. Oh yeah, this one was when I was on this hike and this one was from this backpack. Now, are we, am I suggesting that you go out and you pick up rocks and stones and you take them home and then you set them up somewhere and make a mark? Well, that might be a little difficult and people might look at you a little strange, but here's a way that you can make a mark in your family. And unfortunately, this, this one thing is a casualty of the modern times that we're living in today. But I want to see if we as families, as individuals, we can bring this back into our homes. Because I'm telling you, by doing this, you will allow God to arise in your families. And so here it is, how we can make a mark in modern times. Traditions. Traditions. Customs. Now see, the word tradition and custom has kind of gotten a bad rap in the last 20, 30 years, we kind of get bored with traditions and we're like, oh man, we don't want traditions. We want to be progressive. We want to move on. And that's fine corporately or as a church for us to, to think of new ways of reaching out to the community. But I'm telling you, in your family structure, it is important to have traditions. I remember when I was growing up, every Sunday morning, we would go to the marketplace and, and growing up in a Cuban environment, in a Hispanic environment, you know, the, the local grocery store didn't always have what we needed. In other words, they didn't carry the kind of stuff 
that they do in Cuba or in other, you know, other countries. And so we would go to the market, you know, the open air market, and we would buy the fruits and the veggies and the, the sweet potatoes and boniato, platano fritos. You know, they, they don't sell those a lot of times. So we would have to go to the market. And it was such an awesome tradition for us to go Sunday mornings to the market and buy all the things, the seasonings that you couldn't find at your local grocery store. And we would buy all the things that we need to make authentic Cuban food when we got back home, right? And, and, and I loved it because once we got back home, the fun of trying to put everything away in the kitchen, you know, it was kind of a family deal, right? And then they would start making the food with all this fresh fruit and fresh vegetables and, and the rice and the beans and, and the fried plantains and, and pull out the shakes and, and the mango shakes and the papaya shakes. Sunday was awesome, except for one thing, the beet juice that I had to drink. Because before I can dig into this amazing meal, my dad would slide across the table a glass about this big of beet juice that I had to drink And I had to drink it. Why? Because according to him, it's good for you. It's nutrition. It'll make you strong and it'll make you live long. Now, I look back at that time and as ugly as that beet juice was, it was a good time in my life. Why? Because the family would come together. We would laugh. We would play. We would eat together. We had a tradition that every Sunday morning we would have this wonderful meal together. And yeah, even though I didn't like the beet juice, now when I look back, I think, you know what? That taught me a lot about my dad. That taught me that my dad cared for me, that my dad loved me, that, that my dad, um, you know, would do anything for me. He wanted me to be strong and live long, and so he would make me drink this beet juice. But it was a tradition that we had that when I look back on, I think, you know what? That kept our family together. You know, that brought us closer together. We're, we, we bonded because we were making a mark. We had those traditions. And it is important for our families, if we are to allow God to arise in our lives, it is important for us to have those kinds of traditions, those kinds of markers that you can lay out. And it doesn't have to be a weekly thing. It can be a monthly thing. It might be a tradition that, that, that happens once a year, but it's important for us to have those markers. And you can be as creative as you can be. So establish these traditions. Principle number one, make a mark. Principle number two, if you're taking notes, jot this down. Shine in service. Shine in service. I'd like for you to flip just a few chapters over. It was actually our scripture reading for today. Joshua chapter 24, and we're going to read 14 and 15. And it says this, Now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But now listen to this, listen to the inclusiveness of the father here. He says, but as for me and my house, 
we will serve the Lord. And so here is principle number two. If you want to allow God to arise in your families, principle number two, serve as a family. Include your family or strive to find a service activity where you can include the whole family. Bring them together. Do you know that there are several families here in this church that have decided that they're going to do mission trips as a family. They're going to do mission trips together. They're not just going to send the young people, the children off to mission trips. They've said, you know what? We're going to do it as a family. Some have gone as far as to say, you know what? We're going to change our vacation time and the money that we spend on vacations to go together on a mission trip as a family. It is important that we serve together as families. Yesterday, I had an opportunity to be a part of such a special event. It's called Dentistry from the Heart. And Michelle, Dr. Michelle Ware, opened her office up and invited those in the community, the working poor, those that don't have insurance, those that are in need of of help to come. And I was given a t-shirt and I love this slogan. The t-shirt said, smile, it's free. Now, isn't that a good slogan? And so hundreds lined up to receive dentistry work, whether it was a cavity or an extraction. I forget how many Dr. John pulled. There was around 30 extractions yesterday. But this is what I loved about what took place there yesterday. Michelle was there and her daughter was there. Her husband was there. It is so vital for us that if we are to allow God to arise in our families, to get the whole family family involved in service. It's something that you can do together. It's something that you can be a part of here in the church. Or if you have another idea, something, a need around the community, get them involved in serving the community. Be a part, do it together. You're coming together. You're building relationships. You're allowing God to arise in your families. Principle number three. And this is very difficult for a lot of us. And I'm going to share some passages. And and as I read these passages, I may step on some toes. But listen, if I'm going to be a faithful preacher, I have to bring it up, all right? And this, this next principle is probably the hardest one for us to apply, okay? But let's review real quick. Principle number one was make a mark. Make some traditions in your home. Principle number two, shine in service. Include the whole family in service-oriented projects. Principle number three, if you're taking notes, jot this down. Use wonderful words. Wonderful words. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter four. Starting with verse 29, says this. Let no Corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification. In other words, whenever you are to speak, whatever words you are speaking should be for the good of building up instead of tearing down. And this is very difficult for a lot of families to do. Husbands and wives, Um, daughters and sons and, and siblings, there are times where we just let loose and we just let it go. 
And you know, the, the, the reason why is because, as we're going to read here in just a second, it's easy for us in the home environment with those that are, we are most comfortable with to let our guard down. And once we let our guard down, well, what's underneath the surface isn't always that pretty. And so it's easy for us, once we walk in through that home, to just let our guard down and just whatever comes to mind, just let it fly. I'm telling you that if you want to allow God to arise in your families, as the Bible counsels us, we have to bridle the tongue. We have to hold back what we say and how we say it. We just can't say whatever's on our mind or whatever's on our heart. We have to bridle our tongues. It is important, especially in the family. Now, let me just give you guys a word of advice here, something that I learned several years ago that has really helped me a lot, and I just want to share it with you. Someone once told me that hurting people say hurtful things. But something that I learned a long time ago is that if someone says something hurtful towards me, instead of me getting all upset and, oh, I can't believe that, and who do you think you are, and you're wrong, and well, you're this and you're that, that simple phrase has helped me to just stop and think for just one second and say, you know what, the fact that they've said something hurtful towards me means that they're hurting. So instead of me saying something that's just going to open that wound or make them hurt even more, I think, what can I say that will bring healing to the hurt that they're expressing? Because hurting people say hurtful things. So instead of taking it personal, instead of getting all bent out of shape because of what they've said, just take a moment and stop to think and say, you know what? They must be hurting somehow, some way. But folks, it is so important that if we are to allow God to arise in our lives, it is vital that we use wonderful words, that we use words that build up and not tear down. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. I read this passage a couple of months ago. I just want to remind you once again, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18 reads like this. There is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. You see, the words that we use can either be used to tear down and slice someone up like a sword, or the words that we use can be words that bring healing. And if we want God to arise in our families, We need to use words that heal. Now, the verse that I want to share with you that that really just ties all of this together, this whole um, subject of words, is found in Matthew chapter 12. I'd like for you to turn there and read along with me. Matthew chapter 12. Chapter 12, starting with verse 33. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad, For a tree is known by its fruits. Okay, stop there for just one second. So you can identify a tree by its fruits. So if you have luscious, crisp, juicy apples, what kind of a tree do you have? You have a healthy apple tree. But 
if you pull an apple and it's mealy and it has worms in it and it's rotting, what kind of a tree is it? It's an unhealthy or a rotten apple tree. No one wants that kind of a tree. And so here Jesus is setting you up. He's setting me up. He's setting all of us up. He says, because by their fruits, you will know them. In other words, what you see coming out, what you see them producing will determine what's going on inside. And then he goes on to do something that really steps on our toes. In verse 34, he says, brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? Wait, wait, wait a second. If you're evil inside, how can you be speaking good things? In other words, the question is, you being evil inside, don't think that you're speaking good things. You're actually speaking evil things. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So he lays it down on the line for us, doesn't he? He says, I want you to peel back and I want you to take a look at your heart because the condition of your heart will determine the words that you speak. Now you can go the other way around and say it this way. Take a look at your words and it'll be a barometer of where your heart is. So if you're constantly criticizing, if you're constantly speaking down to people, if you're constantly speaking words that tear down, Jesus is saying your heart is rotten and needs some work. So now it brings a whole, it paints a whole different picture about how we talk to our wives of how we talk to our husbands, how we talk to our children. It brings a whole other picture about how children, how you speak to your parents. You see what I'm saying? These principles can apply to everyone, anywhere, no matter what age or background, right? And so here he's saying, listen, every word that comes out of your mouth, you're gonna have to give account for. The last verse, verse 34, for by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. And understanding what he's trying to say here is basically your words give an indication of where your heart is. You want to allow God to arise in your families, make a mark, shine in service, use wonderful words. You know, the good thing, which is one of the things I love about Jesus, is that he never asked us to do something that he didn't model for us at first. And when you take a look at the life of Jesus, this is what we see. This is what we read, right? That it was Jesus's custom to go to church, to the synagogue every Sabbath. So Jesus made marks. In other words, he had traditions, We can see Jesus shining in service. The Bible tells us that he did not come to be served, but to serve. And that in his service, he was obedient even unto death. So Jesus isn't asking us to do something that he hasn't done. Jesus says, no, I want you to get involved in service. And then when we see how he treated those around him, he said, I want you to join me in this service. His disciples, his brothers, I want you to join me as we go forward with this project, with this mission, with this service opportunity that we have. I want you to come with me to Galilee. I want you to go with me to Jerusalem. We're going to serve together. 
And so we also see Jesus using words that build instead of tearing down. Every time Jesus used words to build, even when he had the right and even when he had an opportunity to maybe give a criticism, we don't see him doing that. We don't see him taking advantage of those times. Instead, he took those opportunities to build up. And so he says to the woman, where are are those that accuse you? Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So, so Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? What does he say? Neither, neither have. And so we see Jesus using words that encourage, words that build up. Never in all of my life here have I seen someone that has as much faith as you. He uses words that encourage, that build up instead of tearing down. Listen, my hope and prayer for all of us, for all the families that are here today, All the families that are listening to me on the radio, my hope is for all of our families, whatever that structure might look like, whether you're a single parent, whether your mom and dad are in different homes, whether you have two children in the household or eight children in the household, my hope for our families is that we allow God to arise in our families. And we can do that starting today if we apply these three principles to our lives, to our families, is that we make a mark, that we shine in service, and that we use wonderful words. Anchor Points with Robert Quintana is a ministry of the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. If you enjoyed this message, feel free to share it with a friend. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or at frederickSDAchurch.org. Next week, we hope you can plan to join us as Robert Quintana continues with the third part of this series, Mission Possible, by sharing how you can allow God to arise in your community. Also, if you're wanting to learn more about how to begin a life change or just wanting more answers, we'd love to talk with you. Feel free to visit us online and check out some of our resources at frederickSDAchurch.org. You can also call us during the week at 301-662-5254. We're located right between I-70 and Route 15 on Jefferson Pike. Our main service takes place Saturdays at 11 a.m., and we'd love for you to join us sometime. Remember, God loves you and wants you to live out His purpose.